the new era. Next level. Raw. In your face. Hard hitting. To the edge. PWE is talking sports. The all-star crew. Dan O'Mac. Big Kaz. Brokowski. A-V-Z. And the game changer. The new beginning is now. And we are back. Season two at Talking Sports is on the roll right now. I'm accompanied by some friends here. Dan O'Mac, say what's up. What's going on, man? And we also have Brokowski. What up, what up, what up? I'm going to put a ban on that only because you won the playoff picks. You're not allowed to what up, what up, what up on my show. I'm the host this season. <laughs> wow. I'm the winner. You are the winner. You get away with it just now, but we have a new season coming up, and we filled out some March Madness men's tournament brackets, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit of that coming up here in a minute. This season's going to be a little bit different. Last season, we stuck primarily to football. We talked about the playoffs. We're seeing how that went. Have a lot of fun with it. So this season, we're bringing it back. We're doing a little bit more. We're going to try to talk about all sports uh, from football to basketball. Heck, we might even talk about curling in the Olympics or whatever that's going to come up in, a, in conversation. So to start it off, when this episode comes out, we're going to be in day two of the first round of the March Madness Tournament. Guys, I know you guys filled out your brackets. Let's not give away too much here, but what games are you looking forward towards this weekend? I know we got some Big Ten teams in there. Go ahead, Brokowski. Oh, I was going to let you go ahead, Darren O'Mac, but uh, uh, you're good. I'm, I'm pulling you. One of my favorite, one of the games that I am looking forward to is uh, to seeing what um, Boise State does taking on Memphis. I, I got a, I got a feeling on that one that that's going to be a good game and a close game, and I need Boise State to pull through and take take the W on that one so I can get to the second round. Um, I also I'm intrigued to see what Michigan does. Michigan really hasn't had the greatest uh, season. They've had a rocky road this year. Uh, it wasn't lived up to the hype that it should have, but um, I'm intrigued to see what they do. They they need to really impress these first two rounds, I think, if they want to go anywhere in this tournament. I mean, yeah, Michigan's going up against number six, Colorado State. That'll be a tough one, and that would be an upset if they could pull off that win. Dan O'Mac, what are you looking forward to? It's no secret when it comes to basketball, my love is with Big Blue Nation. Uh, Kentucky, uh, they kind of skipped um, over their themselves in the SEC tournament, losing to Tennessee, who was another amazing team. But um, Kentucky has one of the best players in the country, so I'm looking forward to see what my Wildcats can do in this tournament. Not a game I'm looking forward to per se, but a game that I think that's going to represent the Big Ten really well and a team that I think is going to go far into the tournament possibly would be Wisconsin playing Colgate. They're ranked number three. Colgate's a 14. I think, like I said, out of the Big Ten, Wisconsin to take this win, to move on more deeper into the tournament. But then, you know, we also have 
that Loyola Chicago, they're playing Ohio State. I know some people are picking that upset right there too. <laughs> you know, um, the when it comes to basketball tournament, I've always been – obviously I said Kentucky first, but overall I'm a Big Ten fan when it comes to the basketball tournament except for Ohio State. Um, Wisconsin is one of the better teams in the Big Ten, but – Colgate's one of those teams that, you know, needs to be talked about as, as a sleeper uh, upset. Um, that's going to be a really good game. I like to see how Colgate matches up against Wisconsin, but Wisconsin might be one of the best, the best teams in the big 10 and we'll, and we'll see how they do as the tournament goes on. Yeah. They're always a tough team, I think, you know, and then, you know, Illinois has been playing pretty good this year out of the big 10. Also, I think, uh, but, if they win in the first round, I picked Houston to go over. So those two teams would meet. And I really think Houston's a strong competitor to actually win the whole tournament this year. Well, Houston's one of those teams that like, you know, are they healthy? Can they shoot free throws? I think a lot of it's going to come down to their health and free throws. So we'll see. Um, I'm a huge Illinois fan in this tournament. I I actually have Illinois going significantly far in this tournament. Um, so we'll see. Like I said, I've got most of the big te- 10 teams getting out in the first round, except for, for two of them. Obviously, I already said I'm, I'm against Ohio State, so it doesn't matter who they're against. They, they could be against a, a bag of basketballs, and I'd pick the basketballs to win. But yeah, it's going to be interesting as this tournament goes on to see uh, who's going to come out. I think, you know, Auburn's a good team that's got to be watched out for. And, of course, the powerhouse, I think, of this entire tournament, Gonzaga. We have to watch out for Gonzaga to just run through this thing. Yeah, they're heavy in my tournament, and I actually think I have them going all the way and taking it this year. All right, well, we've gone enough without talking about my Duke Blue Devils, man, because I'm really intrigued to see what them boys are going to be doing, being Coach K's last year in his last NCAA tournament. I think they're going to actually surprise a lot of people for that main reason specifically and go fairly far, if not take the whole thing. I I do have Duke uh, meeting Michigan State in the second round and beating my Spartans. I haven't had much faith in those guys this year. They were another up-and-down team, very similar to Michigan. You know, they would go on some hot runs, play some really good games, and then they would just flop against teams that you wouldn't expect them to. So that's why I had them losing to Duke. And like you said, Coach K's last year, I think those boys will ball out. Duke always brings it in the tournament. Yeah, I have have Duke going all the way to till they meet up with Gonzaga. Um, and then I have Gonzaga going on. So, yeah, I got Duke going pretty far as well. Going with uh, another team that I think is heavily un- – has is underrated, low-ranked, and is going to be my sleeper team of the tournament is South Dakota State. I think if they can take off Providence, then they would go on to fight face possibly Iowa or Richmond, depending on who wins. You know, I and then after that – then they could have a problem, you know, with, you know, Creighton, San Diego, Kansas, or uh, I can't remember what that what team Texas or uh, Kansas plays, but 
in the Elite Eight, but I think they, they can go all the way to the Sweet 16. I think they could be this year's Cinderella story. You know, speaking of Cinderella stories, uh, what are some of your uh, favorite Cinderella stories of the past? Do you have one, Easily. Brokowski? Easily 2006 George Mason team. They were the 11th seed overall. They ended up beating Michigan State. They ended up beating number three ranked uh, North Carolina, who was actually favored to win the damn thing that year. And they ended up making it all the way to the final four. I mean, they were the first, the, or I should say, I think it was the second team that was ever double digits to make it to a final four. And it, it was just unbelievable what, what they went through. A complete unknown team. Um, I'm going to date myself here. I'm going to go with the 85 Villanova team. Um, they were a ninth seed, I believe. Um, Jimmy Valvano was their coach. Um, more recent times, uh, George Mason had a good run. Um, just some of the famous upsets. Remember the year Santa Clara beat Arizona? And Arizona was one of the hottest teams going into the tournament. That, that was one we didn't know of. And, you know, I don't really consider them that team now because they're in it every year. But Loyal Chicago, that first year they went on the run, you know, they came out of nowhere. So um, another one recently that had had a good um, had a good turn, Georgia State, a couple of seasons ago when when the transfer from Louisville, Kevin Ware was there coming back from that broken leg. You know, they had a good run. So there's some great stories. There's always going to be that, but you know, um, but yeah, for me, it goes all the way back to Villanova. Going way, way back. And yeah, I was going to talk about that Loyola team just a few years back when they had all that momentum, they, they just kept winning games and they, it seemed like they couldn't lose, you know, them being, they're the only school in Illinois that has won a national championship. I mean, it goes back to 1963, but can Illinois change that this year? Can Loyola upset Ohio State and be the Cinderella team this year? We are here to find out. Let's talk about some of your fondest championship teams. What's one of the years, one of your, you know, Dan, you got Kentucky. I know you have one ready to fire off, so go ahead and go right with it, Dan O'Mac. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the roster. Antoine Walker, Walter McCarty, Ron Mercer, Tony Delk. Um, you know, there was some really good years for Kentucky, so it's hard to pick one. Um, the year that they had the other uh, twins that didn't make it to the to the NBA. But the twins that were hot the year when they had the twins with Willie Cauley Stein, who's bounced around in the league. There's been so many good Kentucky teams. Um, it's unfortunate that the one that really is, sticks out to me is when Leitner hit the shot to beat him in the Final Four. Um, but yeah, I would say, I believe it was 98. Um, the Walter McCarty, Antoine Walker, Tony Delk, that team was special, but there, there's been some really good Kentucky teams as of late. Not so much a few years ago, they didn't even make it to the NIT, but um, Calipari has changed the way that he's recruiting there. He's not going out and getting, he's going and, and, and getting the transfers. Now he's building a team with transfers, which is totally different from what he was doing 
probably had something to do with, you know, he's trying not to cheat anymore. <laughs> um, but uh, he's doing a whole different style of recruiting now. So these teams are different. You know, he's he's had some good teams and he, you know, since he's been there consistently, this is probably his most successful run as a college coach. And he had some he had UMass and he had uh, Memphis, but this is probably his most successful run with what he's, he's done at Kentucky. So, um, but yeah, um, Tubby Smith, the, uh, the year that they won with Tubby Smith as their coach is probably the one that is most memorable for me. Brokowski. For, for me, honestly, it's actually one that I really – I don't remember, like, the team that it was built on, but it was Tom Izzo's first national championship in 2000. You know, I'm, I'm not a big Michigan State fan, but my mom is. So I remember, like, the hype and the the excitement that every that was in the household during the time. And it was, like, the first time I kind of actually started caring about the NCAA tournament. Um, and I, I remember, like, I even had the newspaper, like, hanging up on my wall in my room because I, I kept shit like that. I wish I still had it, but I, I kept stuff like that. Um, another great team that actually should have won the championship was uh, the 2013 uh, Duke Blue Devils with J.J. Redick. I thought J.J. Redick was probably one of the best basketball NCAA basketball players ever. Um, another fond memory that I got would be the first time I ever heard the name Steph Curry. You know, when Steph Curry went on his run in 08 with D- Davidson. I mean, yeah, he didn't win the national title. He went to the Elite Eight, but, I mean, he put up points. Like, the, the first game, he put up, like, 60 points, I think it was, and then 30, and then 30. And, I mean, nobody's ever averaged 30 points per game in the tournament since. So I'm just going to say this. I've already said that I'm anti-Ohio State. The other team is Duke. I'm sorry, Josh. <laughs> I am not a Duke fan at all. Probably stems back to Christian Leitner hitting that shot at the free throw line to beat Kentucky. But um, Duke can fuck themselves just like Ohio State can fuck themselves. And, and you know, my we can go ahead and get this out of the way now. The main reason why I like Duke is because my one of my best friends ever. He's a huge North Carolina nut. nut. So obviously, I did say that I was a Duke fan just to piss him off, and that that's how that whole thing started for me in in liking Duke. But I wanted to touch right. base. You brought up Steph Curry at Davis and how he was such an elite player, and he was so much above his peers that were in the league, you know, you could say stuff like that about Dwayne Wade when he played at Marquette, you know, like he was incredible at Marquette and he took a team that nobody even probably heard of, you know, a a college here in the state of Michigan. That's not one of the top elite ones that you get heard talked about. And Dwayne Wade put them on the map, but you stole mine, the 2000 Spartans championship team with Mateen Cleaves. He was my absolute favorite that year uh that dude just he had that charisma he had that he was all about the team and the, that year the michigan state spartans were just unstoppable uh nobody could get in their way and uh i followed him into the nba he didn't have much of a career once he got in the nba he turned out to be a sports broadcaster i believe but uh yeah that 2000 michigan state spartan teams was absolutely magical 
Yeah, he was a good uh, cheerleader on the bench in the pros. Um, he did he did get a few years in. Yeah, I think he worked for the Pistons for a while. I think he played for the Pistons, and I believe he worked for the Pistons. Like, you'd see him on, like, Fox Sports and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, I think he did it before they brought on Grant Long. Moving on, that's enough talk about the tournament today. Next week, we'll go back over about some of our wins, some of our losses, and maybe some of our predictions that might have came true after this uh, first round. I think the first two rounds might be wrapping up by the time we record next week. Uh, we're going to move on. Let's talk baseball. Just a little bit about baseball. They just ended a lockout. You know, do you, do you guys think that changes the, the fans' perspective on the team, on the players? Are they going to want to go to games? Are they going to tune in on the TV? Because this isn't the first time baseball has done this to their fans. So, Again, amazing myself. I graduated high school in 1998, and my senior project in English was on the demise of baseball when they had the lockouts in 94. That was a dramatic effect on the fans' outlook on the game and how the game was perceived, and, and it took a lot for baseball to come back. Obviously, that you can say baseball came back because of Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosha's home run race brought it back but there was some years there where it was bad and like i said i wrote an entire senior project for english on the demise of baseball and if history repeats itself um i think what's helping it is is they're coming back so there's going to be some form of a season similar to the covid shortened season so i don't know how much this is going to affect because we just had a shortened season because of covid um but um we'll we'll see i don't think it's going to have as much effect as the one did back in the 90s yeah i couldn't agree more with you on that uh point dan just like you said it it was nothing like the lockout of 94 so i i wouldn't expect us to be upset too too upset over it um i do think that people will just Get with the role. We just, like you said, we just got back from a shortened season already. People are used to it. It is what it is. And I think it's going to be shortened by like a month or so, if that. And I do, one thing that I am glad that they agreed on is some of the new rule changes that they came up with. They're bringing the universal DH. Now the, the National League has a DH. I think that's a great idea. It should have been here years ago. You know, they're banning the shift. I think that was the dumbest play ever in the game of baseball. You don't need to do shit like that. Uh, they've anted up the postseason to 12 games, I think, or 12 teams. I was like, that's better. You know, I mean, now pretty much oh, fucking half the league will be able to get in pretty much. So I think that's fucking sweet. Um, I think those new rules will help bring eyes back to the game that if they do travel off, it could bring them back, you know. Everybody loves a DH because that's more hits, more runs, more homers. That's more money in the, the broadcasting booths there. So I think it's going to be a, a good season for normal, and we'll see what happens. Hopefully the Tigers do something this year. Yeah, and they have their first uh, spring training game this Friday, the day this episode drops. They have their first game, and like you said, yeah, it's going to be a shortened season. It's, it mainly affects the, the, the spring training. So these guys are having to get out and get used to playing again really quick. And, yeah, like you said, let's go, Tigers. I think we all kind of agree on that one. I think this might be the only sport we do agree on the team. 
and uh, maybe we'll have to get out there and go see these boys play a little bit. You know, I, I think uh, the universal DH is good for a different reason. Um, I think what base one of the biggest shining points on baseball, you said hitting is the pitchers. Uh, you're going to protect these pitchers. They're paid millions of dollars to throw a baseball, not to hit. As we see the National League pitchers, there's only a handful of them who are good hitters that hit for anything above 100, you know, 150. So not having that out there is going to, one, like you said, make the game more exciting because you're going to have better options of hitting and, and more run scoring and base runners and whatnot, but it's also going to protect those pitchers. Yeah, because the longevity on the players now, man, they're putting so much into their bodies to try to just perform at their highest peak. And pitchers are some of the guys that they're lucky if they have a, a long career. So protecting the players, that's what all sports are trying to do, you know, now. So let's hope they get these these things straightened out. And we're going to move on. Talking a little baseball, we talked a little bit March Madness. We're going to get into the NFL offseason. And I don't want to just talk about the free agency. I want to talk about the trades. I want to talk about everything, the rumor mill. And uh, first off, Brokowski, who do you think right now is winning the offseason? Not the franchise tags, not that who's out there signing the best free agencies, who's out there making the trades. What team is winning right now to you? I'd say with everything overall in perspective, I'd say the Chargers, surprisingly enough. After they picked up the trade for Cleo Mack, which just intensifies that defense, now you got Bosa on the line and Cleo Mack standing right behind him. I mean, we just see what the Rams did with Von Miller and Aaron Donald. There, there's going to be a something like that this year in San Diego. They ended up just uh, re-signing Mike Williams. So they got their top wide receiver back. He has a great contract. He's going to be happy. And then you got you got their young buck, Justin Hubie, back there, Hubert, who's just going to be even better than what he was last year. I, I think the Chargers are the, the winners of free, uh, free agency, trades, all that as of right now today. Daniel Mack. I mean, I'm not going to do it because I can't. So I'm going to go with who I think is the second winner, and that's the Denver Broncos. They went out and got themselves a franchise quarterback. Um, Russell Wilson's not done. His, he's not on the downside of his career. Um, the problem he's had lately is he's ran for his life, and he's had no significant help. He's had no running game. Um Seattle's offense has just been kind of a plug and play at, at running back. Um, and I think that Denver is invested to, you know, they're in the toughest division, you know, got the chargers, you got the chiefs, um, Vegas made the playoffs last year. So Denver's really got to, uh, pull some, you know, there's talk about Von Miller coming back and everything, but on the offensive side in the ball, who has improved more at the quarterback position than the Denver Broncos? You're absolutely correct. And that's, that's what, you know, a quarterback of his caliber that, that could win you games, that could get you to the playoffs. That could just get your foot in the door. Cause anything can happen in the playoffs. 
you took my answer, Dan. That was my number one team. I think that's winning the off season so far, but we, I mean, we have other teams making moves. I mean, Jacksonville, surprisingly, they're throwing a lot of money out there. They're signing a lot of players themselves. Uh, could we see a whole new, just a completely different team down there? The problem is with Jacksonville, if you look at the caliber of players that they're signed and they're giving these contracts to, they're not the top tier free agents. I, I think Jacksonville is overpaying everyone that they've signed and brought on. So it's going to be interesting to see what they can do, you know, Yes, they have the rookie quarter or the young quarterback who's on the rookie deal, so you don't have to invest the money there. But you're not going out and getting the best players at the positions to put around them. So, yeah, they're making a lot of moves, but I mean, are they significant upgrades from what they had? You know, they have a new coach. They have they have a new offense. What's that going to look like for Trevor Lawrence? I'm not sold. You know, Jacksonville is one of those organizations where um, where they've been and kind of how the, the cons have run them is they run them to make money, which there's nothing wrong with that as a businessman. But I just – I think they're overpaying for – you know, don't get me wrong. The third-string practice squad player in the NFL obviously would go to a backyard – um, football game and dominate. So I'm not saying that they're horrible players, but based upon the standards of the quality of talent that typically starts in the league and have an impact, the guys they're signing are not those guys. So those aren't the guys, but let's talk about some big names that made some surprising moves to another team signing somewhere else. You know, uh, Amari Cooper in Cleveland. How much does he impact? Does Baker stay and play with him? Or are they searching around for another quarterback to fill in to throw him the ball? You know, <clears throat> we well, got. They supposedly have a contract offer out for what, or a trade offer out for Watson. So. Yeah, I mean, he's he's seems to be uh, kind of wanted around the league by a few teams. You know, uh, he visited with the Falcons today. Uh, I know the Saints were up in there, but you said they didn't have the the capital to go after him. I, I know to... they've worked on getting under the salary by restructuring contracts, but I don't know what the Saints and the Falcons, for that matter, I don't know what they have that they can offer to the Texans unless they're the Texans are willing to take forty something million against your cap and Matt Ryan. I I don't know how easy it's going to be for the Falcons. I, I Apparently, that's where he wants to go because that's home for him. But I don't know if I was the Texans, I wouldn't take a deal that included Matt Ryan and taking that contract. And I don't know how the Falcons can afford to eat part of Ryan's contract and pay what Watson's contract is. So I just it's going to be very difficult for the Falcons to pull that trade off and get rid of Matt Ryan. Cause I, I know the Texans are kind of laughed at right now as an organization for some of the decisions they've made, but um, I just don't know who's going to be willing to take on 40 something million against your cap for a quarterback who's on the downside of his career. 
So, you know, to me, if again, and if we're going to talk about Deshaun Watson, I think the Panthers, they do not care. They will spend money. They will do what it takes. They'll bring him in. But you know what might be the best chance for Watson to win is Cleveland. Cleveland has one of the best offensive lines there that could get Jarvis Landry to stay. They just got Amari Cooper. They re-signed David Njoku. Supposedly they're releasing Austin Hooper to clear up cap space. Why do they need to clear up cap space if you have a quarterback on, on the last year of his rookie deal? Because they're pretty confident they might be able to go get you know, the, the home run guy. And, and there's rumors that Baker wants out, wants to go to the Colts who need a quarterback. So I think it'd be easy for the Colts to get Baker Mayfield. Um, I, I think the best place that gives Watson an ability to win is the Browns out of these teams that are looking that have openly have been um, have reported that's given him uh, a trade offer to the, to the Texans. I just don't see business wise what the Falcons can do in the Saints to to make that offer intriguing. And how does that, you know, does that play an effect to Matt Ryan? You know, if he's being, they're talked about bringing Watson in, even if it doesn't happen, he's still on the team. You know, that might affect his play. And like you said, he's on the downside of his career. The Falcons have been kind of, you know, the the bottom feeder of that NFC South division. But let's say Watson does go to Cleveland Browns. Look at his opposing quarterbacks in that division right now. You know, <clears throat> Trubisky just went to Pittsburgh. You got Lamar Jackson at Baltimore. And then – He's unhappy, I heard. Yeah, I mean, he always – I think that will work itself out. I really don't think he's unhappy. I just think he's unhappy the way the last season played out for them. I think he just wants more. I think he's one of those competitors that actually plays with his heart and wants to win, so – but think of those matchups, you know, to see Watson and Lamar Jackson go at it two times a year. And with Watson, if he goes to Cleveland, does that get Landry to stay or do they shop around and try to get another receiver? You know, if he doesn't, you know, Julio Jones just went on the market today. So yeah. talking about that division, do you want to go to the NFC South with Tom Brady? Tom Brady's back. Do you want to be in the same division as Tom Brady? I think he'd be the only competition in the NFC South. Like Tom Brady coming back, I, I think that played an impact. He looks at the Saints. They don't have a quarterback. Looks at the Panthers. Like, what have the Panthers got? They just got rid of their, their all-star player, you know? I just, I just don't see the Panthers, the Saints, or the Falcons having enough of a team there around Deshaun to give Deshaun a chance to win that division, to have a chance to win the NFC. I just don't see enough talent on those three teams, especially with trading McCaffrey. If they give Deshaun Watson a long-term contract, it's not saying that it's going to have to win directly in the first year. You know, they can bring them guys in in the second year and be like, you know, if he goes to Cleveland, look, we got, we got to keep Javaris Landry. This this will make you happy this year. We'll go out next year. We're gonna run him back. 
You know, we'll keep building and adding to make that team better. I mean, even if it's in Carolina, same thing. They really have nothing this year, but they'll have the money next year to improve that team. But Cleveland has has probably the best running back combo in the NFL, and they're both young. There's more there right now in place for Cleveland to win that division than there is with Carolina – Atlanta or the Saints to win that division, especially Tom Brady's back. So probably that goes along with Gronkowski's back. That probably means Leonard Fournette's resigning there. You know, they, they franchise tag Godwin. So Godwin will be back. Mike Evans is there. There's not enough on those three teams for Deshaun Watson to compete. And as long as Brady's going to play, I don't think Brady's going to retire any. I think those four, he's like, I fucked up. I, I can still play for for a long time. He's not going to have a chance. Long term, I don't like Lamar Jackson. I don't think he's going to be durable enough long term. Watson and Burrow, like like Trubisky is going to be a good quarterback for Steelers. He, he, he fits in what they're looking for. But when it comes down to it, to win that division, you're probably only going to have to beat the Bengals. And is that crazy that we're saying you only have to beat the Bengals to, uh, to, to win the division? But there's more at Cleveland now for him to win and compete against the likes of the Bills and the Chiefs for that AFC. And I think the AFC West are going to beat up on each other. I think th- I think that might cancel that that whole division out. So I just and I know they're saying, "Oh, AFC." Now they did come out and say the Colts uh, were after Deshaun, and, and Texans told them absolutely not that they're not going to do business with a team in their same division. I just think out of all those teams, the Browns have the most talent around Deshaun to make him successful. He needs to prove that he's a good quarterback. He needs to prove that it was the Texans organization that that's held him back. You know, J.J. Watt apologizing to him that last year, saying, I'm sorry, when they went 4-12. and You deserve better than this. Out of those teams, Browns is the best chance to prove that he's one of the elite quarterbacks. So, we'll see. <clears throat> and I, I, I believe the same. I think that'll make that division and team more exciting if he goes to the Browns. Um just makes sense. He'll go to the Browns, Maker, uh, Baker Mayfield to the Colts. I, I do see that happen, and I actually do. Um, we heard that Kaepernick gets brought back up in the conversation. You know, he hasn't been in the league in several years, uh, and now Seattle was rumored to have been interested in him. And I've seen a clip. I mean, he, he looks like he's still – physically fit enough to do it. You think he's still in the game? I'll let you go first. So, when it comes to Kaepernick, uh, it's a tough decision for me. I kind of feel he really was just a decent quarterback in a great system that fit his needs and hit his weaknesses when he was in San Francisco. Um, but if he could play, I would definitely love to see him. So I, I could, you know, if I get proved wrong, I get proved wrong. But I always thought that he was just a decent quarterback in a great system that fit his style of play. I thought Harbaugh made him, you know, made him because he was was the quarterback guru then. So I thought that helped a lot. 
They had outstanding wide receivers, a phenomenal defense, a great offensive line. They had a backfield. I mean, you know, it was kind of like uh, like the Trent, Trent Dilfer type, you know. Like, he could be a good journeyman in the league if he would have, you know, continued, got a chance to continue his career. So, well, if you're a GM, real quick, Dan, if you're a GM, you got Kaepernick and you got Cam Newton, who are you picking? Who's that for, Josh? Yeah, I want to hear what Josh's answer is. Kaepernick or Cam Newton? You know, who would you rather Cam, have? Cam? I, Say would, what? I would take Cam. You would take I would Cam? Say, I would take Bam Bam Cam. I'd go again. I like, I, I like Newton. I like Newton. I I didn't like when he went to the Patriots because I knew it wasn't going to work because he got to have that coach quarterback relationship. But I've always liked I've always liked Cam Newton. I thought he was a good quarterback. He just needed a team around him better to help. I mean, it didn't work that last year in Carolina. It didn't work when he was in New England, and then it didn't work again in Carolina. So I would take Cap over that. <clears throat> Dan, what are your thoughts on it? Like, do you think he's fit for the NFL? Is there is he better than some of these starting quarterbacks or backups? So let's talk about some of the quarterbacks that are in the league. Drew Locke, right in Seattle. Um, Davis Mills, who they're saying is going to be the quarterback there in Houston because Houston came out and said they don't want Baker. Um, so Baker wouldn't be included in a trade unless a third team gets involved, the Colts, and they could, they could round that all together. Um, so you have Davis Mills, you have Zach Wilson, um, you have, um, Justin Fields, um, you have Carson Wentz, you have Mitch Trubisky, you have Derek Carr. So the thing about Kaepernick is Kaepernick's style of play will work in today's NFL. The problem and concern that I have with him is not his age because he's been out of football. You can tell he stayed in shape. He looks really good. And I think with the right team, he would be successful. Um, Just like kind of what people are saying right now about uh, Mitchell Trubisky. He's going, he should be successful with what the Steelers are, are doing. Um, I said this about Trubisky last year. I put it out on Twitter. If the Bears run the offense the way the Chiefs ran the offense with Alex Smith or the or Washington ran the offense with Alex Smith, Tr- uh, Trubisky's going to be good. I feel that's what's going to happen in Pittsburgh. The problem with Seattle, they have no offensive line. They have no real playmakers. Ari talked about this when uh, when we said Russell Wilson left. Kaepernick should not go to the Seahawks if he wants to make a return to the NFL. That will not be successful for him, the current makeup of the Seattle Seahawks. Now, I know they had flirted with him before, bringing him in as a backup, and he turned it down because he wanted to start. Do I think he could start in this league? Absolutely. Do I think that he would be a... a, a, a above average quarterback, a game manager, but someone who can make plays. Absolutely. His body isn't beat up for his age, like other players, his same age, but Seattle's not the place for Colin Kaepernick. Um, I don't know anyone else that's interested. Um, 
So I don't know what other options Kaepernick would have, but I would not go to Seattle if I was Kaepernick. So here's another thing that none of we haven't even brought up yet. His game time team. All right, now remember when Michael Vick only did, what was it, two, three years in jail and then came back in the league, how different he was and how much slower he was? Think of that being Kaepernick, who's been out of the league for, what is it now, six years or more? I mean, his game time speed is what's going to concern me the most. Is he still going to be able to make them quick time decisions? Is he still going to be able to maneuver faster? You know, the league's gotten faster since the last time he played. But be as fast as he once was. to counter that, if he's used as a game manager who has the ability to throw the ball downfield when needed, would you say that he's slower than Ben Roethlisberger was last year? But that's not that's not his style. He's an on the run quarterback. He's a Lamar Jackson. But he's not going to be a Lamar Jackson if he comes in this league. His best route back in the league is being an Alex Smith, Mitch Trubisky type quarterback, a game manager who controls the game. Successful doing something, a style of game that he's never played before. You don't think he's a style an, that he's used to. You don't think he's an athlete and can adjust if he wants to get back in the league that he doesn't. He realizes what he, he needs adjust, to do. But will he succeed as it is what I'm saying. He's changing I, everything that he's used to, just like Vic had to do when he came back, and it didn't pan out. I mean, it always could, but the way I kind of see it is that exact route, the way that Vic came back. Yeah, he'll be able to come in and win you a couple games. Yeah, there'll probably be a season or two where he will be like, oh, here's flashes of the old cat. But I just I, I kind of feel like the game has changed and evolved over time, and he's just been out of it for so long, I think it'll hurt him. I think if he did come back, if he did come back to the league, he's only going to get a chance with one of these teams to where I think he's only going to get beat up. You know, he's going to have to be running for his life. You know, he goes to Seattle. What do they have? They don't have any of the weapons. Uh, you know, other teams that could use a quarterback, like you said, the Panthers, you know, what if he went to the Panthers? They don't have anything for weapons. Uh just naming off a couple the Jets, you know, like if he ended up having to go and play for a team like the Jets, one of these low-tier teams that aren't in competition, he's going to have to play his ass off, and it's not going to be his style regardless. I mean, probably his best bet to protect him and, and put him in a role where he could be successful is the Colts. With that offensive line, with that running game, something like that would be his best way to be successful, but he has to change his style of play. Very interesting. The offseason so far is uh, fun. We're talking every day in the group chat every time something crazy happens, you know. And like we said, we brought up Tom Brady came back. That lasted all of almost two months of his retirement. Uh, we've seen it before with other quarterbacks that's retired and come back. Uh, Daniel Mack. <laughs> Daniel Mack thinks it's going to be a couple more years he sticks around I I think at least two myself I think he sticks around for two years uh, will they both be with Tampa Bay probably the price is too high for that guy but uh, with this league anything could happen I was shocked to retire in the first place I was a little bit 
dude that I do feel bad for in all this is homeboy that sold fucking Tom Brady's last touchdown pass. Or the guy who bought it. The guy who sold it was smart. The guy who bought it was a dumbass. Because he sold he bought it on March first and like March second, Tom Brady was like, Yo, I'm back in the league and that ball was automatically worthless. <laughs> And he bought it for like six hundred grand, I think it was. It was something insane. Well, anybody else have anything to say? What's going on this weekend? Any any games that you're you're looking to watch? Uh, like I said, the tournament starts tomorrow. Michigan plays tomorrow, pretty early, right? I believe. I think they have an early day game. Michigan State plays Friday night. I'll be looking forward to that game. At least get one win before they go and probably lose to Duke. Other than that, watch it. You know, uh, we'll get into this tournament. We'll talk next week. We'll talk wins. We'll talk losses. And we'll have some other subjects to be brought up. Other than that, we are done here. We will catch you next week.